This podcast is proudly supported by Red Energy, most satisfied customers 11 years in a row. Maybe it's time you called Red Energy on 131 806. And Prince Wine Store, bringing wine enthusiasts the greatest wine in the world. They know all our songs word for word. And you get a bit territorial, like, hands off my Sharona, because it's my Sharona. It's not your Sharona. I've got so much. Like, you go through 20, 25 years of really achieving nothing away from work, and then you end up with you know, a partner, two kids and two dogs. Like, you get, like, five big inclusions into the side. Like, pretty amazing for me. I mean, I personally sort of reached saturation point where every product that was marketed towards me was telling me it's going to make me look younger and, you know, remove my wrinkles and make me more popular. And it's, no. Can I tell you, we're sitting here at 60, none of that works. <laughs> Shallow, manipulative snake oil salesman. Didn't take long for the first snake oil joke at our house. <laughs> I it. How long did you get through? About a day? I reckon maybe 36 hours before you, the snake oil jokes began. It just rolled <laughs> off my tongue. <laughs> Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Welcome, everybody, to episode 169 of Don't Shoot the Messenger. I'm Corey Perkin, and with Caro still away in Amsterdam, we are joined today by two special guests. I am absolutely thrilled and delighted to welcome businesswoman Claire Reich and her partner, some of you may know, Craig Hutchison, well known to the sports community, respected journalist, host of Channel 9's Footy Classified and CEO and part owner of SEN, the network responsible for our podcast. Hello, Craig. Hello, Claire. Hi, Corey. Hey, Claire. How are you? Nice to see you. Don't get to catch up with you too much at home, so you finally made it into the office. That's I like that. It's a nice move. This is a real treat for me, getting to spend the morning with Hutch. This is great. This I'm, has made well, my day. Well, uh, you know, we're all about improving relationships here on Don't Shoot the Message. <laughs> we often have Carol and Brendan in here, and I just watch them before and after we go to air, just talk about like who's picking who up and who's getting the dinner tonight. And So I'll you often, can discuss that if you want. I'll often get home and Don't Shoot the Messenger will be on in the house. So it's between Don't Shoot the Messenger and SEN Spirit, which is our Bunbury radio station that's got music that Claire likes on the app. So that's generally the two bits of content in our house. You have a, There is a Bunbury radio station oh, that you love. Absolutely. SEN Spirit. They have, um, they have sections of our SEN in Melbourne and they also have a great soundtrack. It's just like the, the best music of your life is on that. And it just, I love it. What's your go-to song? Oh my goodness! Can I tell you, I can't pick on that. Everyone, everyone on that radio station. It's a bit eighties and nineties, a little bit. Oh, little I'm, bit I'm, yeah. oh, I'm right there. It's a mix. So you just, you just, you know, you don't know what's coming up next. It's, oh, love it. I was listening to. I've taped a whole lot of eighties and nineties myself, which is usually a bit of new romantics, not a lot, and a lot of kind of glam punk, I would call it. And I was driving the other day. Call me by Blondie. Oh, yeah. Screaming at the traffic lights, and I looked. To, I looked. To, I looked to the left, and it was that old, um, you know, some guys just looking at you, who's thirty-five. I would dare I say, quite attractive young gentleman, looking at me, going, "Who is this old woman?" Just you know, shaking her head and clicking her fingers. We were kicking this conversation around the house the other day. Like a lot of people, our vintage, probably closet music fans who don't know much about music, but know the latest song on the radio and sing along to it, and probably haven't had a, an outlet for that post-COVID for the last 12 to 15 months. We were kicking around the idea. We were forever doing, coming up with something that we don't execute on, by the way, but it was kicking around the idea of some type of, when this is all done, a house party or something a little bit similar where you can make a bit of a pickle of yourself in the lounge room and no one seems to care because people are, I mean, you, you can't go out to a, a bar or a, or a night spot and uh, listen to some music anymore. We're outgrowing our welcome. So... That was kind of the thinking. When was the last time well, uh, you had a shindig at your home? Well, or... I was going to say, Hutchie, how old are your kids, Claire? Thir- 11 and 13. Okay, and Hutchie's being the, is the perfect stepfather. So 
Uh, all I can say is yes. wait, because we have had a series of 21st and weddings ah. in our family. So you get back on the dance floor in a big way. <laughs> the really interesting thing, though, is that the kids who might be in their 20s or if it's a wedding, maybe their 30s, they know all our songs word for word. And you get a bit territorial, like hands off my <laughs> hands off my Sharona, because it's my Sharona. It's not your Sharona. How is that? Where do they can? Because kids these days consume content so differently. Where do they catch? We, I always well, wonder where they find the. Well, my kids say that when we used to go on long drives and everything, and I'd even pick them up in the car, I had my little. Well, then they were relevant. <laughs> my eighties, nineties soundtrack thing, but I made a few cassettes which we played ah, in yes. the car all the time. So they have just my, my all three kids, including William, my son, is word perfect on. Uh, respect by Aretha Franklin because it was played so often. So I think they pick it up through their parents. But also, let's face it, they're the best songs, like Twist and Shout by the Beatles, <laughs> which, which of course had a resurgence with um, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes, when which my kids watched as little kids when yep. we let them on a Sunday afternoon watch the you know watch a video. So maybe it's that. I think it's they pick it up through parents. My my late mother played the Deltones. Every single morning on the way to school, I think for at least two years, the Deltones were. Yeah, just I can remember the Deltones going through our Tarago. Which was your, which was your favorite, <laughs> which was your favorite Deltones song? Well, I think none of them by the end, but that you know the the bar pa pa bar or whatever that it bit is. is. Yeah, what was your favorite song as a kid? Uh, I would have to say Walking on Sunshine. That's yeah, it. And Katrina still, in the Waves. Still to this day. Like, Love it. There is no song like it. Yeah. Absolutely. Know that song? Like, I don't play it. Introduce them. They, the kid, kid, honestly, in my in my experience, Claire, and I know Caro has done this with her kids as well. You introduce them to the music of your era and talk about it and stuff. What this meant to me, and I mean, the kids still laugh that I love Eagle Rock, but it's hard to explain that when I was about ten or eleven or twelve, or when that song was released by Daddy Cool. It was just such an Australian sound. Mm. It was such a different sound. Nowhere in the States or the UK were producing that kind of music. And um, they just still laugh at me when it, whenever it comes up at a wedding, I'm the first on the on the. I think, uh, just to, not to bring it back to sport for a, a quick second, but I, I think AFL clubs in particular and all sports clubs overlook the power of some of those anthems. The Eagles have Eagles rock on at, in Perth and it jumps when they do. In Sydney, Sweet Carolina, Sweet Carolina, excuse me, goes berserk when they played at three quarter time. Why? Because it's such a family anthem, right? But you can be there with your kids and your. But it's got nothing to do with Sydney. No, but that's just quite cultural in the Sydney Swans experience. They play it. I've been to the last two Swans games. They had 33,000, 28,000. Sydney's in a different mindset than Melbourne. It's a bit, it's further out of its hangover than we are, and it's a bit more. Uh, used to life again. We're still coming out of that. We're at the end of it, but we're coming out of it a little bit. But that song, is, for years and years, just makes the SCG um, bellow, and I reckon it's magnificent. I'd like to see a bit more of it in the in the club land in Victoria. Well, we could all start dancing. Why not? Why not? R- rules have changed now after COVID. So, guys, usually we have feedback and housekeeping and so on. The one bit of housekeeping that I did want to mention is that uh, Caro's daughter Rose and her partner Oscar have had a little girl Sunday. So we wish them all the best over there in Amsterdam. Caro will be over there for a little while longer. We will keep potties posted. And in uh, in some messaging with Caro on the weekend, she did say in the next couple of weeks she might jump on the airwaves and we'll have a bit of a chat from Amsterdam. So congratulations to all of the family for... I've seen a photo. She's very beautiful little Sunday. Um, and just one uh, bit of correspondence or a couple I wanted to mention... Carmel Markham, who is in WA, we send all our uh, love to everybody in WA. That snap lockdown must have just been such a shock for you all. But Carmel Markham says regarding the pumpkin soup recipe from the Western District that I gave last week here with Anna, Carmel says, just want to tell you, we went into lockdown tonight and I had all the ingredients for the Thai pumpkin soup, made it, and wow, the pesto was the hero and the soup was delicious. My husband, who is not a fan of pumpkin soup, was converted. Thank you. Carmel, that's so interesting because my husband doesn't like pumpkin soup either. Do you, Hutchie? Pumpkin's the one thing that I can't <laughs> eat. It's the absolute number one A of the no-go zone. 
Yeah. Claire laughing along. Seriously? Claire would say there's 65 things on that list. <laughs> That's why she's looking at and me. Your, and your pumpkin is number one. And your sure. partner, Claire, is a vegetarian or vegan. Mostly yeah. vegan. Yeah. Yes. So pumpkin would be high up in your list well, of ingredients. Actually, I, I don't. I don't buy it because Hutch doesn't eat it and the children don't, aren't really huge fans of it either. So I do give it a miss. Oh, but I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm okay with it. I would think, I don't know a lot about veganism, but... Claire was inspired by her daughter to become a vegan. I suspect there's a lot of people out there of our vintage who've been inspired by their kids to change their behaviours. Can you tell Corey the story of how that came to be? Oh, uh, well, Ava and I decided to become vegetarians together. We watched a Netflix series, um, which uh, food of knives over forks or one of those. And then one year when Hutch came back from Super Bowl, he does a 100 days no drinking. And we decided that each I, of us... Can I just say I'm in awe of that. <laughs> I, heard that? I heard that you do that during the week. I heard that. I cannot believe. Well done, you. Anyway, we'll get on Five to that in a minute. Five years in, the jury's still out on whether it's a good thing or not <laughs> it's a good thing. But sorry, carry on, Claire. No, no, no. Well, every year I do the 100... Just, just, just to, like, get some of that uh, praise, I do the 100 days with him for the, for the no drinking. But I have to say, as not a huge drinker, it's not a, it, it's not a huge deal for me. So what I, what we chose to do in the family is each person had to choose something that they were going to give up for 100 days. So Ava decided to be vegan. Nicholas decided to make no purchases for 100 days. And what I did for each of the mem- members of the family, I don't, did that as well to support them. So I'm not drinking. I'm a vegan. I'm not spending any money for 100 days. I was literally like the most angelic person in Melbourne <laughs> at the time. And I'm interested in Nicholas's no purchases. I, but anyway, that's, a, yeah, that's, that's a, probably that, another yeah. story. I, that, was, that was pushed by me because it was whatever your kind of weakness is, you have to give it up to make it a real challenge. Does he spend a lot of money on you, online shopping? You or? know what kids are like. Oh, mum, can I be? Yeah, yeah. You know, so well, not, you know, you, Rod, for your own back, Claire, yeah, like, ex- you have to just like, no. Nah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's, uh, it's I'm the one to blame. Um, so we we did the 100 days and, and it was Ava that said to me, Mum, you know, after the 100 days, I'm not going to go back to being vegetarian. I'm going to keep being a vegan. And I said to her, you know what, Ava, I agree. I am too because... You just, it's it's just such a great lifestyle choice. You know, you feel so good, you feel so fresh, and well, it works for us anyway. And it's great for me. There's not a lot of things that you can have in common with your 13 year old daughter. That's absolutely true. Yeah, except so, um, Master Chef. And back in the day, uh, what was that talent show? Um, you know, Guy Sebastian won it. Whatever. Yeah, thank you, Jane. Um, Australian Idol. Those were the two that we had in common. But veganism is probably a good thing too. You can prepare meals together. You can talk about what's that's well going on with the (laughs) diet. Probably a stretch. (laughs) (laughs) Not in. I mean, I I could. I should get her to prepare meals with me, but um, she will. I I I think so. Thirteen's still a bit young. Yes. So, how did you guys meet? We met many years ago. So we met actually. We're on adjacent restaurants, adjacent tables in a restaurant. At the Smith, which, by the way, I've heard, I've been meaning to mention this too, I heard the Smith's making quite a bit of a comeback Ooh. in Paran, so that must be on the list at some stage. We'll have to go back. Go and have a bit of a look. It had a little period where it was closed and then an adapted format, but I guess in your neck of the woods, right, Corrie? Back yeah, in well, I've, I've always um, enjoyed uh, their meals, but I haven't been there for a couple of years. Not too far from the bookstore. and Not too far from the bookstore. Thanks for the plug, Hutch. Yep, that was go on. <laughs> in the heart of Hawksburn, where we... First became acquainted because our office was down the road at 475 right. Melbourne. And when you were Croc Media. That's it. So we met in a restaurant on adjacent tables and Claire was there with her best friend Sarah and Sarah's a great fun and a great girl and who just celebrated her 40th on the weekend. So we And I was there with a friend of mine and we all just sort of stayed very loosely in touch with each other around town and I probably saw more of Sarah along the journey and then it's just, there was an opportunity um, post... <laughs> an opportunity... Opportunities are wrong word. It's, 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 it's the businessman in him. Yes, I'm yes. going to take over this country <laughs> network, and it's an opportunity. And by, while I'm at it, I'll take out Claire. That's an I opportunity. Claire might be available. There's an opportunity. <laughs> words, as soon as that word came out of my mouth, I was just searching, just trying to draw it back. Oh, don't worry. It's gone. only it's only the four of us here in the studio. <laughs> Now, there was an opportunity to catch up as a massive group on Good Friday, I reckon it was, and I hadn't seen Claire for a long time, and then we just became friends and then kind of went from there. Mm. So the decision to move in together, uh, my husband is a stepfather, and it's not an easy one for the blokes. It's not an easy one for the existing family unit either. Oh, who's this Who's this guy who we have to share the shower with and, mm. you know, who's there every night, not just occasionally, but every night. How, was that a difficult decision for both of you and the children to come to? You first. 
<laughs> well, just if I could be just completely honest and say, really, it was I, I pushed for a Hutch to move in because he, I didn't see a lot of him. And, and Corey, as you said, and I didn't realise that you had that, we had that in common. As a single mum, you know, it's, it's, I have the children a lot. So it was quite difficult for us to see each other. And really, I think to set a good example, it's it's best that we partner together than perhaps, and I don't know what goes through the minds of children, but in, in my head, than perhaps having your partner come come home where he finishes work at sort of 9.30 at night and he's coming over. It, it just didn't feel like a, it should feel. And I just really wanted to push. I knew what a great influence. It's plain to see what a great influence Hutch has on the children. And he's just so easy to be around. I knew it was the right thing to do and to create a family. It just seemed like the right thing. So Craig, for you as a bachelor... Uh, and I would imagine not a lot of kid experience, unless you're surrounded by lots of nieces and nephews you see a lot of. But what, how was the, how was that? What was the decision making process for you? You're giving up a lot of independence, I but got, you gain a family. I got so much. Like you go through 20, 25 years of really achieving nothing away from work, and then you end up with, you know, a partner, two kids, and two dogs. Like you get like five in five big inclusions into the side. Like pretty amazing for me. And I guess I can't. You know, Claire had done and has been an amazing mum, and so I, I would assume, but I don't know, they haven't experienced it, that the formative years are much, much, much tougher. So I felt a bit sport blowing in at the ages of seven and nine, where they were already vibrant young personalities and great fun to be around, and and hadn't it was really hardly any heavy lifting from me. So I sometimes feel a bit bit selfish about that because it didn't. You know, I'm sure in the first five years you're changing nappies and you're not getting that much reward of personality in the first year or two and so I can only imagine what that's like but I, yeah, I just almost feel a bit, bit guilty at times. But no don't because every parent of teenagers is out there going just you wait yeah. Henry Higgins. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see that coming over the hill that's, that's not too far away. Yeah. Yes. Um, it was I don't know whether you had this moment in your relationship but and it was a, an extremely moving one for me. But when I was about, I don't know, I must have been about 39 or 40, I said to my then partner, Pete, who um, had not, like you, had had not had children, I said, well, if you want children, this is kind of the last moment that I could possibly do it. I wasn't really in the zone, but I was prepared or happy to if he'd said, look, I'm really desperate for a child. And he didn't even think about it for, you know, a minute. Like there was not even a beat went by. And he said, no, I, I have your three. Why would I want any more? I've, I'm totally content. And that has been the guiding premise and philosophy of our, I think, happy unit as a, you know, putting the fun back in dysfunctional. I, I relate to that so much. We were talking about it only on the weekend. And, yeah, it's, you can't, I couldn't create a better outcome than the one we've got if, if we put everything into it that we tried. So I feel, feel absolutely absolutely blessed. It's interesting. I want probably just a little bit in-house with family, but Claire's daughter, Ava, started playing footy. Like many young women around Australia, there's, I think, stats say there's about 500,000 women in Australia playing AFL footy now, which is, is just wonderful and unthinkable. And I've been a big advocate of women's footy. We've made a television show on it for years and then really enjoyed the AFLW, but it's just great to experience it now as a I think stepdad's probably a t- bit too heavy word in Ava's, <laughs> Ava's mind. The guy that lives upstairs would be a bit more of an apt description. But it's really interesting to see the sense of community that the girls create together. It's great to see the behavioural change of parents and observers. You can see it almost by the week, I reckon. And then for me, it's a. I mean, I'm a bit awkward around Ava at times, so it's a, it's a more native connection point for me. I can find common areas and talk about other players and... So I've really been, I've just loved that. It's only two weeks in, but hasn't it been nice? And then on a Sunday now when you can choose between how you fit, how you structure your day to get both games in. Last Sunday we were very lucky because Nicholas had the bye and we got to watch Ava and spend an hour in the pregame and then chat afterwards. But often we're going from one to the next. It's so nice, isn't it? It's really good. Oh, it yeah, so I think nice. I think that's, um, sport is a, I mean, we know that because we love it so much, but sport is a great connector. And I think probably in our family for, uh, Will played in the Glen Iris Gladiators, so um, Pete was the one who did the training run. And in fact, I think for a minute there, he was a runner for the team. But um, they had sort of that in common. But the girls, uh, certainly with rowing, you know, sharing yeah. that that six a.m. 
get up and get them to the river or, in fact, on a Saturday going down to the Barwon or something. And Peter quite graciously just giving up his golf game because he wanted to be there and everybody getting to know. And for a lot of other families who... um, you know, families that are not the norm of a mum and dad and two or three kids, when they meet a family that is, you know, as I say, putting the fun back in dysfunctional, I think we kind of lead the way a bit too. We show them, look, it can work. We actually all have really healthy relationships. It's all pretty normal. Um, and I think other people learn from our um, our way forward in a funny sort of way. People say that we missed in Melbourne last year through COVID AFL footy. We missed junior sport more than we missed elite sport. It's it's the thing that binds our communities. And totally. Claire's now the, I don't want to embarrass you, but Claire's now the team manager of the soccer team. So, and Claire's finding out there's a whole bunch of things that go to that that she didn't Good luck with realize. the politics. How's oh, that going? My Why isn't my son slash daughter having a game this week? It's uh, That's a, nearly a full-time job. Uh, the parents are so passionate about it. Oh my goodness. Because we're kind of laid back, aren't we? I mean... You are. I'm not quite as much, but you know, laid back or you know, enjoy the game. But they just, yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's. Um, I I just think um, local sporting footy clubs are just fantastic. And in fact, when we were having email convo over the weekend, and I, Claire, I think you said you'd been at the footy junior footy, and I wasn't sure whether it was boy or girl or whatever. But I thought of Jared Waitley, who. Um, was it um, last week? One of the one of the shows last week on AFL three hundred and sixty. He was. It came out, or Mark Robinson got the news that on the weekend Jared had been the goal umpire at the local, <laughs> I think East Malvern Knights or something. Yeah. Yeah. And Jared did the old, you know, with the two fingers showing showing his technique. Oh, it just took me back. <laughs> and he said he's, he's trying to he's trying to track down a uh, umpire's hat, a vintage umpire's hat, because he wanted to wear yes. that. He gets to wear the white cap, the white coat. How do you know that? He, it was on the radio. He was talking about oh, it. Yeah. So he so said, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be an umpire, only, but I really I have to wear the white the white yep. coat. And, and they gave him the white coat, so <laughs> Now he's like, oh, I really want the vintage white hat. If anyone's got a vintage white hat that I can have, I, I don't know the end of the story if he got his hat or not. I hope he did. Yes, Claire so, often gets to hear more of our content than me. Can I well, can, good. Can yeah, ask you she a question? Can feed back, she can feed back to you. Yeah, sure. You're very close to Melbournians and you have a great feel for the city and its and its consumers and you see the, you see the people come into the retail environment. So with, with the vaccine, which I think is one of the topics that people are talking about around the kitchen table at the moment, we're, we're, we certainly are. What what do you sense the overriding view of the community will be on people of our, say, age group? Like, we're under 50, but we're probably at that point of making a decision on whether you go and get the AstraZeneca, which one of Claire's friends went and did very freely, and it was, I think, eye-opening for you on how easy it is to go and do and to see. Or do you wait? Do you try and get as much information as you can, which has been a bit more my normal style in life? Or do you just go early and do the right thing by the community? And what, what do you think... But, what do you think people are, uh, well, are going to do? Well, over the counter, the grassroots from the village is uh, fury about the way the vaccine is being rolled out or yep. indeed not rolled out. And certainly amongst the GP community, there is enormous angst because a lot of um, older people, particularly the frail who can't go to the the super spots like Jeff's Shed and so on to have the vaccination, they want their GP to come. But in one case I heard that the the lady in her 80s has to wait till August or September because the doctors are on, there's only a certain number of doctors at each local practice. They've only given a certain number of vaccinations. And of course they have, they might have eight or 10,000 patients on their books. So it is really difficult. My feeling about that personally is that I think the, um, those in the front line and those who are frail and older should go before me. So um, I had a, a, a consultation with my GP about some other matter last week and she said, look, you know, when it comes to your age group, which dare I say I'm a bit older than you too, so uh, my number could be coming before yours. But she said, just give us a call and come along. And I said, oh, I'd rather give my vaccination to somebody else. And as those words came out, I hadn't even thought about yeah. it, Craig. It just kind of came out as a as a sort of a natural response. That doesn't make me a martyr. If I was, a, you know, if I was working in the medical profession or somewhere in the front line, I would certainly get it. But I just can't see as a bookseller at the moment that um, I'm in danger of getting COVID or passing it on to people. So... For me, not really. But what about you? Because you're well, working in a big, you know, organisation. Yeah, no, we had a COVID scare here at, at SEN yeah. last year. Well, in the the theory, 
that I was always, you know, your leaders eat last. So you, your obligations to be at the back of the queue. But you do start to question whether that's being civilly responsible if the vaccine is not being rolled out in the way it should. Like if you if you sit and wait until the end and they and the authorities are inept at rolling it out, you might you can argue that to the contrary that you're doing damage by not not going somewhere where there isn't um, demand or need and you could actually get it done. So yeah, you know, and I I think we're pretty ill educated on these things. And so yeah. we're trying to work them out on the run. It, look, it's certainly a moral, it's a moral dilemma, and I think these are the sort of issues that need to be discussed on shows like Q and A, or at yeah. places like the Wheeler Centre. I think as a community, everybody has to kind of come together. And the more we hear about the debate, don't you find that whenever you hear one side or the other, it galvanises yeah. you to do something? So I kind of want to hear more. There was a really good story earlier this week on the front page of the Age, which spilt inside with a local, uh, I think Hawthorne or Campbell doctor. And she was in this exact same predicament as we were talking about earlier. Too many older people, not enough vaccination, and really stressed and angry about the way it was not rolling out. I, and I, and I, I thought, gee, that's a really important issue. I share your angst on... Like, it's, it's unthinkable how clumsy we've been on this rollout. Like, we were, I feel like... And I'm not to use sporting parlance because I'll sound like that guy again, but at halftime of COVID, we were well in front. we have done a great job as a nation, Victorian issues aside. The... The whole country, by and large, done a pretty good job compared to around the world. And then all of a sudden, into the, into the third quarter of this, which is vac- vaccines are back back half of the job. We've been hopeless. I saw I got a I lived a bit in New York and got an invite to not an invite. I got an EDM for a concert in America the other day. This first concert back of a tribute band that I like. And I looked at the rules on the concert on the email and I had. You know, if you're vaccinated in this area, you're going to sit here, and this is how you're going to enter the venue. This is going to how you're going to leave. And for those that are partially vaccinated, you'll use this stamp, this code, and you'll be over here. And then there's the area out the back for those that are not are neither. And this is how you'll enter. And, and I thought we're, we're miles off having a structure that supports the tech behind this and the infrastructure behind it. And Even going to the footy, yeah. you know, just what do you have to do to kind of register and so on. It it does feel very clumsy wherever you go. And but Sydney isn't that interesting what you're saying about the concert, though, because it's people fear the great social divide that's going to occur between those who are vaccinated and those who aren't, and you know. And the I mean, and airlines are going to be at the front of that, aren't they? With that yeah, question, absolutely. And Claire and I spent some time in in Sydney, where we've I've been partially living for a little while, and Claire Claire joins me. And even though I was at Sydney when you came to Sydney, the just the difference, not only mentality, but also just basic just check ins and diligence mm-hmm. and those sort of things. Well, I think we're catching up here, but it's it's much they're much further advanced. I feel in Sydney. Mm. What do you think? No, you're right, and I don't know if I would have noticed it if you hadn't have pointed it out. But it's sort of it, they keep you moving, but you you're checking in everywhere. You it just it feels so natural and one system. Yeah, yeah one, one, system, yeah, one system, system is the key, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. If you go to one more cafe and you have to do one more different sign in, it just drives me nuts. Claire, uh, you are uh, the partner of a very successful business person. But you yourself are also a business person as well as a mother of two. Tell me about your new enterprise. Do I call you an inventor? Oh, goodness. I don't know what, what you would call me. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm very excited. I would like to call you an inventor. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's, let's call me a mentor. I didn't actually invent, invent this uh, particular um, product, but we're really excited. We're working on um, an Australian botanical face serum called Ello Botanicals and our our brand, our beauty brand is all about looking at ageing through the lens of wellness rather than the lens of, uh, you know, the, the anti, uh, anti-ageing term that it can be quite negative for women, especially as you hit, you know, you know 40 plus. I mean, I personally sort of reached saturation point where every product that was marketed towards me was telling me it's going to make me look younger and it's going to make me, you know, remove my wrinkles and make me more popular. And it's like, no. Can I tell you, sitting here at 60, none of that works. (laughs) This is, you can spend as much money as you like, girls. Corey, this is exactly right. Like, honestly, we, we it's like, oh, for goodness sake. And, and not only that, you've got some 30-year-old photoshopped woman telling you about it. It's like, no. And you know what? Not only that, I don't, I don't necessarily want to look younger, but I just want to look my best. Absolutely and, right. Yeah, absolutely. This whole thing about anti-aging, it, 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 there are so many layers that come with that statement. Aren't they? It's just oh. rather than like celebrate your years and celebrate your little crow feet or whatever it is, celebrate being a woman and being alive and well. 
It's all of, it's all about preventing stuff you can't prevent. This is the thing, and it's I mean it's. We all know that um, beauty is a social construct, so we know that we're taught how to how what to how to deem what's beautiful or what's palatable, or you know basically that to be younger is to be more beautiful. But now we have to make this the 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 conscious decision to unlearn that and to embrace aging in in the fact that you know we we're like you said we we. We're wiser. We're, we, we, no one wants to go back. No, we're all happy with where we are now. So why are we putting so much pressure so, on ourselves? So what are the products or product that you, uh, you've devised? We've got, a, we've got three products. and they're So all it's L-O botanical as in L-O, it, the letters? Or? E-L-L-O. Okay, L-O. So we, like hello but no H. <laughs> Correct. Got it. Um, we've worked um, with uh, a scientist to develop three products and you know we're in the process of manufacturing them now so I won't sort of talk too much about you know the, the oh, no, don't. Somebody the might steal, might, someone might steal <laughs> so much hard work has gone into this I don't want anyone to steal it <laughs> so, well anyway we'll just we'll yes go on we'll just well, what we, do I do with your products I'm going to what you could do I'll bring some in for you and, and do they Jane go on our face or do we eat them or they go on your face and they they're not about um, this is going to make you look better they're about this is something that you're going to love. It's about mood and it's going to make you feel good. And that's that's all we want. So you you will get the first hot off the press, you will get received. Jane, we're about to be transformed. <laughs> Bad luck, Carol. So Carol will be sitting here like this wizened old lady in a year and you and I will just be full of life, full of vim and vigour. We'll have to give Carol some too. <laughs> oh, no, don't. <laughs> No, I don't feel you have to you're do that in, at all. You're on Instagram already. <laughs> we are, yeah. yeah oh, that's stages. good. Yes. So, what, so if we want to follow you on Instagram, what's the? It is L O Botanicals. Great, E double L O Botanicals, everyone. Uh, well, best of luck with um, Thank that. You. What an exciting it's adventure so that is! Exciting, and it's just such a beautiful product, and I can't wait to share it with you. Oh well, I can't wait to have my life transformed. <laughs> I think that's great. There's an, and there's another business venture you're into as well, which you should. Bounce off Corrie. I'd be interested in her views oh, on this. Oh, yeah. well, okay. So they're called uh, Be Warm and they're, they're heat patches that... Um, oh, I thought you were going to say electric heated booties, that, oh. which I was wanting last week on the show. Well, yeah, I always feel like I'm past um, the need for Be Warm because it really the inspiration came from pre-COVID when we were out a lot, and in particular yeah, at the races when you're wearing some dress that you've paid a fortune for and you don't want to cover up with a coat in Melbourne's spring weather and you've, you're freezing, but it's... I've got to show everyone this dress, and the patches actually—you can place them sort of on your body. We sort of recommend on the on your lower back, and it's a large patch, and it just gives you the sustained heat, oh. so it doesn't ruin your outfit. But you get to be warm, like like a like a man gets to be warm okay. and comfortable. So Claire, that sounds interesting, but wait till you get to menopause. You might have to have one that you flick the switch and it goes cold. <laughs> <off and off. laughs> That's something we can look at then. So I played I played golf with a with a friend called. Val once, and she had these amazing, apparently they're quite common now, but this was a while ago, she had these amazing little heat, um, like little sponges, and she put them in the her pocket. It, it was about five or six degrees this morning. There was frost on, there was almost ice on the, but we had a beautiful game of golf. It was a beautiful winter morning. But she had her little heat patches and they kept her hands warm. They were sensational. They they. Uh, activated by touching and rubbing, mm. so they suddenly turn on, right? These little heat beads, but of course she had one of her best Longcom lipsticks in the pocket oh. of the jacket. Oh. <laughs> so guess what happened? Um, melted lipstick. Anyway, um, I am a real fan of that idea. I would love to. Uh, there are so many times watching the footy, oh, watching the watching kids' the footy. footy. Uh, you know, at a wedding, like it's just it's insane what women what we put up with, and we don't even. It's just part of life. Absolutely. And as I said, when and now that COVID's hit, it's like I don't really want to go back to that uh, idea of being cold in heels and. Uh, so we, we no longer have to be. So before we just continue with our rundown of our show, Craig, I wanted to just mention the Conrad Marshall, I thought most excellent uh, in terms of writing and structure. I think Conrad's a, a real wordsmith. But uh, a couple of weeks ago in the Good Weekend magazine, he did a profile on you. And the introduction was shallow, manipulative, snake oil salesman or horribly admirable builder of Australia's version of ESPN, question mark. Meet Craig Hutchison, the university dropout turned journalist who's not playing games. Shallow, manipulative, snake oil salesman. 
Didn't take long for the first snake or joke at our house. I did it. <laughs> How long did you get through? About a day? I reckon maybe 36 hours before you, the snake oil jokes began. It just rolled <laughs> off my tongue. Look, I, I've, I've, no, I've known you for a long time, Craig. Not all, not all like not all that well. I wouldn't say that we were exchanging, you know, dinner parties or anything. Although after this, and I've met Claire, she's completely coming to our house for dinner. But um, I, I found that uh, not harsh because obviously there are people out there who have said this about you because Conrad has found some people, interestingly, off the record people. That was always that's always interesting to hear that. But it was um, it was a, a, an eye-catching way to bring you into the article. But my sense of reading the article and your responses to that is, look, kind of what you see is what you get. And, and running a business, acquiring businesses, being successful takes guts and takes courage. But it also you have to make some really hard calls sometimes. So, of course, you piss people off along the way. Yeah, I think we... When the opportunity came up, it had been there for a little while to do it, and obviously you you had an have had an amazing career and been in these environments most of your journalistic life. You know that it's not an inconsequential decision to put yourself and be subject to a story like that because journalists never should be the story, Craig. Because you know you're going to be there's going to be hits and misses, right? You know you're going to there's going to be people that don't like you, and that's you know I'm always been a bit of a polarizing character, I guess. So we we talked about it a little bit, and I guess with the opportunity of our business growing into Sydney and Brisbane where it's less known and it was, was worth the risk. So we kind of knew that it would potentially have some critics and cynics. And I thought he did a fair job. I thought, I, for starters, I realised how poor a journalist I am because, or was, because the work he did on that story over a year was more than I'd spend on the 10 best stories I'd ever done. You know, he was very diligent and thorough and Asked a lot of questions and was very considered. And I always had admiration for Conrad as a journalist, but I left with even more admiration than I went into the process. And I can't imagine what, how the economics work of a story like that, where you can spend a year interviewing someone a few times or several, quite quite a few times. And then I guess I think most of the sentiment in it that was negative, I, I assume, and wasn't disputed by the author, that they came from journalists I'd worked with or against in my journalistic days, I'd been disappointed if anyone I'd worked with in business had had those views, and and it's not a popularity contest, so you can't, you know, you can't run a public company and then pick your five best friends to do five things closest to you. It doesn't work that way. So it's it's that's the gig, and I thought it was I thought it was fair. What did what did you think, Claire? I thought it was great. I mean, all but the bits and pieces from those unnamed uh, people. I thought it was. I read it a couple of times actually. I was so proud of you. It was good. It was great to, for me. I mean, I know the story, but to see it and, and read it and and know. see a chronological order That's of right. development. Yeah, from the kid who used to run around um, with the lead to the toaster, pretending it was a <laughs> yes. microphone at the age of three. How calling cute. horse races or calling? calling what were you calling? Footy or? I think the first one was blankety blanks. My dad tells me. <laughs> You are so young. <laughs> when, when did that finish, that show? It must have, been, must have finished 80s. late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was. Uh, I found it really interesting because uh, obviously you've been on a mission to acquire a lot of networks in uh, recent times, uh, particularly in regional Australia. And there's always a sense, or we have a natural suspicion, I suppose, of when people do this, they're going to build it up and flog it. And that's the cynics in us. But you reassured a couple of times when you were asked, you know, do you see yourself being News Corp? You know, will you want to get be as big as you can perhaps or are you going to sell it off? And you were quite determined that that's not why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, I was probably naive early days. So I had just ridiculous naivety in the early days. I had confidence beyond what was real. And then it's not until you actually fail regularly and often that you realise how hard it is and how lucky you are to be able to do it. So... And it still feels like you're trying to evolve every day and get further away from the the exit door. So I'm, I'm kind of in the opposite frame of mind. How do we kind of be part of communities that we're in? And you know, we're looking to invest in all the town, further in all the towns that we do business in. And you know, I, I fundamentally, I love the role of a radio station in a town. Like it's whatever your choice is, and whoever your station is. And the great thing about radio is everyone's got a point of difference. But it, it plays a real role in a community, and particularly in a regional town where it's a real social connector still to yeah, this day. Yeah, and, and they encourage talk back. So whenever I go on a big, long drive through different states or wherever, so you can't get mainstream, you just lock into the local community radio station and 
the discussions range from the hilarious to actually quite serious stuff. No doubt. And it's, it's choice. And so as long as you're providing choice, I was talking, telling Claire about this this morning. I got in an Uber yesterday and the Uber driver, lovely guy, was listening to the RSN breakfast show. And he was, <laughs> and without knowing that he was critiquing SEN, he gave me a 10-minute drive where he went through all of these things he likes and doesn't like and why. Craig, you would you would spend ten thousand dollars on a marketing research company to get that. That's gold. I loved it, and he's like, didn't like this person, but really liked that guy. And if he was in charge, he'd do this. And at the end, he said, "Wait a minute, you don't work there, do you?" And I said, "Oh, look, I do." He goes, "Oh, you're not with those bloody Croc Media guys, eh?" I was like, "Okay, not anymore." <laughs> no, who? Who? I don't know them. Like that, like that yeah. scene in The Life of Brian, are there any women here? No, 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 no. <laughs> it was really it was lovely to see someone's passion and view. And at the end, he said, it's just, look, the best part about it is it's, I, get, I get it every day and it's there for me and it's free. And I thought, that's not a bad summary of what we're trying to do. That's pretty good. So we, will, uh, we were going to have a bit of a footy chat, but I'm much preferring the personal warm and fuzzy. But we do have uh, the first of our regular segments, which is the cocktail cabinet with Miles Thompson from Prince Wine Store. And Miss Jane has brought in the trolley with the drinks and we're on to the cocktail cabinet with Miles Thompson from Prince Wine Store. Hi, Miles. How are you going? Very good. How are you? I'm very well. I'm here with Craig Hutchison and Claire Wright, his lovely partner. And uh, just announcing, Miles, to throw you a bit of a curveball, Hutchie's about to come off his 100 alcohol-free days after Super Bowl, (laughs) which, in fact, Claire also uh, goes out in sympathy and has 100 alcohol-free days. What would you be recommending as their must-try? Oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a tough one. But I know, uh, actually, you're a, you're a Sauvignon Blanc fan, is that right? 100% miles. I'm an uneducated but uh, fan from the cheap seats. <laughs> so t- steer us in the right direction. Well, look, we just I, I had one the other day I thought would be perfect for you. It's, it's called Domain Naturalist. It's a Sauvignon Blanc Semillon blend. It's from um, Margaret River, and they make these really classic Sauvignon Blanc blended with Semillon. And uh, it's just really lovely easy drinking, fruit forward, lemony, sort of fresh, that lychee kind of Sab Blanc thing. And they put it in uh, a little time in barrels. So it just has this lovely sort of richness and texture that you get from the barrel work. But it's just really fantastic. Very, very super easy to drink. I, I think you'd down it pretty quick, considering if you've had to wait 100 days. I'll be queued up at the front by about 5.30 in the morning, I reckon. The way I'm going. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we, we were fortunate enough, Miles, to go to Margaret River to the wine area only, what, 18 months ago before Oh, COVID. great. And it's just Disneyland, isn't it, for, for wine fans? I've never been, but um, I know lots of people from there. It's just that I've seen lots of pictures, and it just looks absolutely stunning and just makes fantastic wine too. And do we have a special offer on that, Miles, or are we just going to have to pay the recommended retail price? No. <laughs> so, so your listeners get 10% off. When you go to the website, you can input the code MEWS, and that gets you 10% off all the wines. And I'll put them on the on the Don't Shoot the Messenger part of our website too, so they'll all be up there for you. Oh, that is very kind of you. So we will um, we will do that. Take take advantage of that offer. And do you have a non-alcoholic gin there? I do. I do. I I actually sort of share a space uh, on the weekends with the Brunswick Aces, and uh, they make a couple of gins, and they make a couple of what's called sapia, and it's basically a, a distilled botanicals, just like you would distill the botanicals for gin but done 100% non-alcoholic, zero alcohol. Um, and they're just really, really fantastic products, really amazing. And it's the Brunswick Aces Spades Gin, uh, oh, sorry, Spades Sapia, and it's uh, just like a London, London dry-style gin, but zero alcohol, really amazing stuff. Sounds like a good one for us, Claire, when we um, have decided that we've just had too much to drink the night before or um, we need to it's dry the fastest, out. fastest growing drink in Australia is the non-alcoholic. Yeah, it's, it's um, amazing. You can get some it's wonderful It's a big category. Ones. It's huge. But uh, yeah, so what we're starting to see now because it's becoming so popular is a lot of really great products. So um, yeah, it's really fantastic. But these, these, this crew is local. Uh, they make a great product and yeah, it's just, um, and it's just really fantastic. I mean, I think that's the, in the end, it's about what's in the bottle and, and what they make is great. Well, Miles, thanks heaps for that uh, and for joining us today. 
listeners, if you want to take advantage of any of those 10% off uh, special offers, just go to princewinestore.com.au and use the promo code MESS, M-E-S-S, as in Messenger, at the checkout line. And uh, there's also, as Miles said, a Don't Shoot the Messenger section there, which you can access as well and go and buy your uh, wine from there and tell the gang at Prince that Caro and Corrie sent you. Miles, next week we're doing Mother's Day uh, sparklings, I think, or something to celebrate Mother's Day. So that's a question on notice. We'll see you next week, Miles. Thanks a lot. Sounds wonderful. See you then. Crush of the week time. And I am in the box seat this week. And my crush of the week, Craig and Claire, is 18-year-old Swedish environmental activist Greta Thurberg, Thunberg, sorry, who... Like Joan of Arc, I keep thinking of Joan of Arc all all those centuries ago, she continues to take on the establishment of the older male world leaders and did it so brilliantly last week with the World Leaders Summit called by Joe Biden uh, to discuss climate and climate change. And she really prodded and poked around as she usually does. She made us think... And uh, I love her because she's such a galvanising force for an entire younger generation of kids in the climate change fight. But last week she was really um, so pointed, pointing out to the mostly male leaders uh, that they should think about their legacy and consider that it will be her generation, not theirs, who eventually write the history of climate change and acknowledge those leaders who acted and those who did not. And I just think she just absolutely rocks. Um, is she big in your um, family, your kids' world, Claire? I, I have to say, I don't know. Oh, it makes me sound like such a, a terrible parent. No, we haven't had a discussion about it. No, so you know what? So you know what a really good entree point for you guys is. Is this week was the first? I think it might be a three-part documentary series on the ABC. It's after Four Corners from Memory. It's called Greta Thunberg: A Year to Change the World, and it looks at her activism through a year, but it's really accessible for people of all ages. Great. gives you a great sense of her, so maybe you could um, yes. see that on ABC iView. We'll do and, that with Ava, um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and, um, and we, can, we can do that. So that is my crush. Thank you, Red Energy, uh, who of course, I forgot to acknowledge Red Energy's support of our wonderful little podcast, their wonderful support, and uh, of course, Prince Wine Store as well, but thank you, Red Energy. Now, we're off to BSF, Books, Screen and Food. And Claire, you have a book. I do. The Push. Corey, The Push by Ashley Aldrin. Um, this book, I I have to say, it was it's the best book I have read in a very, very long time. It was recommended to me by my girlfriend. She actually gave me the book to read. And cover to cover, I couldn't consume the book fast enough. It was just so compelling. It's It, it just... Uh, how do how do I tell you enough that I love this book? How do I how do I put it into words? Well, you know you're doing pretty well. So <laughs> it's I mean I want to read it now. It's been in the bookshop. It it has sold a few copies, but I don't think any of our booksellers. I'm thinking of what we've been reading. I don't think anybody's read the push. If you were so, selling it in Corrie's store, if you were working, what's there today, your elevator pitch? <laughs> what would be your pitch to the consumer who walked in? It's, it's a novel. It's a look. It's a novel that. Um, it's about a mother and her daughter, and she, the the mum, through her past experience in life, is not really connecting with this child. And through the book, you don't know if the child is at fault, if it really is a quite a naughty little girl, or is the mum suffering from some sort of postnatal depression. And that in itself was what I found really intriguing because some women do struggle with motherhood. So it's sort of you're on the on the edge of your seat as to what what's going to happen next. Every maternal instinct in my body was being pulled at like the anxiety at some stages. I was like, oh my goodness. And I thought, oh, this book is, when I was reading, I was like, this book is just so good. There's no way it's going to have a strong ending because, you know, quite often, you know, you get to the end and you're like, eh. The ending was so great. I quickly Googled to say, oh, is there a sequel? What can I read of this author next? It was her, it's her debut novel. Wow. It's her first That's book. That's great. So come on, Ashley. Write is again. Is she local? Do you know? Do you know where know. she's from? I'll have to do some investigating. Hey, um, well, that's a pretty good wrap. I would want to buy that book. Have you ever read We Need to Talk About Kevin by Lionel Shriver? No, Very simple. I have well, it's, heard of it. It, it. Look, the movie is good, but read the book before you ever see the movie because there is that tension between the son who commits a terrible act of violence and the mother, and it goes back and forth in time, and the mother is trying to work out, was it nature or nurture? 
This is very interesting. Yes. If you liked that book, then you would. Oh, that's yes, yes, good. Yes. Okay, so that's The Push yes. by Ashley Audrain. And now on to screen. And I was kind of, I had a bit of a smirk on my face when I saw your email come through, Claire, saying you've both been watching Yellowstone because Caro talked about this last year. I raced to it thinking, yay, that sounds great. And I'd like, at uh, the first episode, we, Pete and I looked at each other and just went, nah. There's something about Kevin Costner. Uh, maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. So tell me about it. Why do you and love I'm, it? I'm taking a little bit of credit for Caro on this too. So we, Caro is very kind enough to drive me home from Footy Classified every Monday night, which is quite amusing because we often see the world differently on TV and often that conversation can continue on the way home. Can I just say that's how this podcast yeah, was born, it was. It? We, we talked about the, the concept of the two of you regularly and for over many weeks and I, I was really intrigued by it. I, every time I saw both of you, I loved the way you finished each other's sentences, but you still quite saw the world a little differently at the same time, but you just knew how the other person would feel about things, and that, that's there's something unbelievably charming about that in, in, in friendship, and your friendship is one I admire as much as any. So anyway, long story short, Cara, I, I reckon we drove past the Yellowstone Stan ad near Channel 9. I referenced that we were into it, and... Caro, so I'm taking a little bit of credit for pushing Caro into the into Yellowstone. She might see it, see it differently. Yellowstone and I guess Ozark were out too through COVID, and you were big on you, you've probably slow at you were big on Ozark at the start and a little slower on Yellowstone. Is that my memory? Oh, the same. Because did you end up, Corey? Did you end up watching Yellowstone, or did you just finish? I, I, an I watched one episode and I thought no. I, I, You've I got was, to go again, Corey. I was taken. For, well, Caro said that, and I started the second episode and I didn't go any further. But I, I loved, it, I loved the decor, the the drama of that beautiful part of the world, Montana, isn't it? Yeah. Montana. And um, you know, obviously the family lodge and there's the family dynamic. So it felt like a bit like Dallas. In cowboy boots, but um, I just, I, it was just something inauthentic about the characters for me. But oh, go, so okay. tell me why well, well, I, I was should with watch you it. because I didn't watch the. I still to this day haven't watched the first episode because you started. Uh, Craig started watching it, and I was like, "Oh, this is not for me," and I just went to sleep. But then, because he kept watching it, I sort of fell into it, and I was hooked absolutely. Yeah, and it's. I think during last year, that's that occasion of something to look forward to mm. every week. It was more pronounced than. The normal, or every night. You, Sometimes you do four, yeah. four episodes in a night. You do need to get through the first two, two and a half episodes. I oh, think that's really? A relatively consistent mm. among our friendship group. Excuse me. People have said the same thing as what you've said, and and some have not got to the end of episode one and have thrown it out the window. But if you can do the time, just chip away at it. I found you get I just, to episode three, you're, you're you're home. Well, I just found the son who has disconnected from the family, who is living with. Um, uh, a Native American or first oh, Casey first persons yep. or first whatever you call them um, community um, I couldn't work out uh, like the synergy I couldn't work out what the tension was what co- I wanted to know that oh, so you, I could then invest you'll in, love it when you find out that. oh really <laughs> I couldn't work out why father and son were so disconnected I think it's just it's not made like a normal TV show it's made like a film Okay. And Kevin Costner was big on it being shot like a film. And, oh, well, and I'll have to give it another go. And a lot of the interiors are shot in Park City, Utah, where I've spent quite a bit of time. And I can't wait to take Claire. I, Sundance Film Festival every January. This was the first one I missed in about 13 years. And so I don't know whether for me it was a sense of familiarity of the some of the You are a man for all seasons. And, and, you go from Super Bowl to Sundance. Like, what, is there nothing that you do not a, do or do not see? I've had a good run. I think it's time to hang the boots up, I think. <laughs> hey, um, well, okay, I'll give Yellowstone another go. And on to F of our BSF, which is food. Claire, you have a recipe. Look, I do. When we were just, Jane and I were discussing recipes and I said, oh, it's a little bit difficult because uh, Hutch is a meat eater. I'm a vegan. I don't really have, you know, a go-to. But the one thing I do every day is make a Hutcher smoothie before work and, and my, make it for myself as well. And I really feel like I've nailed it. So I wanted to share. I'm very passionate about smoothies. I could talk about them all day. So I've really got to make this concise so that I don't bore the socks off everyone. And, and this will be good for me because I don't actually know what's, oh, in, what's in it. This, this is actually, you don't, take it out, you don't take it outside and put it in the rubbish bin and pretend you've oh, had it. I had some, in the early days I would watch him drink it because. Good, good woman. Who knows? Like it, I know. I feel very lucky to, well, this could be, be the end of, of our I have, I have noticed in front of you, Hutch, there is a McCafe. Is it a little 
hamburger that you've got there somewhere? A little, little bag to- with... Toasty. Okay, right. He hasn't had to have that because he's had his smoothie this morning. Okay, so what's in the smoothie? So the key, what I wanted to tell you is the key to a good smoothie is um, we replace milk, and that's either dairy or plant-based milk, with water. So either filtered water or coconut water because that's going to hydrate your body in the morning. And then to... Put as many nutrients into the smoothie as possible. We put as many vegetables as we can. Now, trust me, I I have to disguise the taste of these vegetables. And the way to do that, everyone, is to freeze the vegetables. Really? Yes. So... So they kind of lose their vegetable flavour. They lose their vegetable-iness. They're disguised. So what do you put in it? Okay, so I put avocado in. Which um, I love. Which we and and I freeze the avocado too because that's that, that way I've, I always know I've got an avocado um, in the freezer ready to go. Avocado, I put kale or spinach, oh. some <laughs> zucchini. What? You could put broccoli. Hey. You could even steam some pumpkin. No. <laughs> And put, and put some frozen pumpkin in. No. Absolutely. And do you add anything that you might say is sweet, like a fruit of some yeah, sort? Yeah, so um, I've, what I've, through through working with Hutch over these over the years, we've, I've discovered that banana is a really good go-to. I'll also put some... A good thickener too. Oh, yes, yeah. with the avocado, absolutely yeah. does thicken it up. Then we put some um, blueberries in for antioxidants. And then you've got all your good stuff, like flaxseed oil, chia seeds, um, marine collagen. Um, what? <laughs> and then a protein powder. I use a plant-based protein powder, but his go-to is a chocolate-flavoured. I would I would recommend a vanilla flavour. Okay. Um, the chocolate. Oh, you, that's the one sin in this most healthy thing. Claire, we need you to write this down because Miss Jane, in her brilliance, is going to put it on our show notes and we can all have, what, shall we call it, Craig's... Um, special morning smoothie, or we'll give it some sort of name. What, what do you used to have? You can call it. <laughs> he's not going to drink it anymore because it, this is. So this is the key to the success. So we have with us a multi-million-dollar no. media owner, and it's the key to the success is the smoothie in the morning. A shared smoothie in the morning. I feel very lucky. Yeah. Well, yep. look good on you. Thank you, Claire. So that recipe will be up on our show notes, everyone. I Whoa. highly, I highly recommend a smoothie in the morning. Great idea. BSF, uh, that's it. Thank you, Red Energy. Most satisfied customers 11 years in a row. And maybe it's time we all called the Melbourne-based team. Well, not me, because I already have as a result of this podcast, Red Energy Fuel Home and Shop at my house. Just call 131806 for 100% Aussie electricity and gas. Now, Claire, you're grumpy about something. I am grumpy, Corey. Thank you. Um, We get uh, meals delivered to our home on quite a regular basis, which I'm not proud of, but that's sort of what works for us. So we get an Uber Eats or a Deliveroo. And I don't know if you've ever ordered it, Corey, but often, more often than not, it comes in a paper bag. And on the paper bag, they'll write the name of the person who has placed the order. So in this case, it will be Craig. And what I have noticed and what I'm grumpy about is that over the last couple of months, I've seen um, an addition to the name Craig that's crept in, love hearts. So we've got Craig, <laughs> love heart, love heart, love heart. And I, I don't know if I'm, I'm not from sorry. the same restaurant. Well, I have to say, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to call anyone. Or is it just, it's just word gone around to half a dozen establishments. Oh, it's Craig. Give them in the love hearts. Well, this is why I want. Because he's so cute. It is. Well, it's a delivery so version cute. of an X on the end of a text message. Though, isn't it? It? Well, and this is my point. Where, how have we as a society got to the point where you feel comfortable to put a heart next to someone's name that you don't know? It's a, Smiley face, yes, okay, but heart or the really? praying hand saying thank pra- you for and ordering. This, th- th- this is it. But is I'm a bit of a. I am a. I, I have been accused of kissing too often. XX at a text, like inappropriately. In fact, probably I even did that to you, Craig. Are you okay to come on? To, you know the podcast. Kiss, kiss. Sorry. Claire. I think it's There's on There's nothing in that. Though, it's just, it's because I have so many children and grandchildren. <laughs> I do that too. I'm a warm person. But has it got out of control? But you're right. I have been has told you shouldn't control? be sending a kid, you know, XX. And has the has the, the culture of texting started this, you know, this, I would call it almost complacency. Interesting discussion. We must have this with We live Caro. tough lives, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing going on in our house is this. <laughs> 
three love hearts on the Uber Eats delivery that we the food we didn't prepare. Are you ourselves. flattered? Are you flattered by the three love hearts on the Uber Eats delivery oh, bag? It's going to keep me awake tonight. <laughs> you know, okay. I actually had actually noticed that, but I hadn't really noticed it. I was just sitting in the back of my head, and then when you mentioned, I'm like, yeah, yeah. That is so hilarious. Okay, so on to six quick questions for Red Energy. Craig, my first question is to you. If you didn't live in Melbourne, where would you live? If I wasn't in a wonderful family relationship, you mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. No, she didn't say no, that. No, just generally. Just, just... New York City. Yeah, yeah I, had, I, I had a feeling. I, I do love New York City. And it's uh, and it was great. I've been fortunate to take Claire there a couple of times. And it was a, a little bit more of an acquired taste for Claire. But second time, absolutely loved it. And... Uh, yeah, I would love to spend a little bit more meaningful time there together at some stage. Well, hopefully in the next couple of years you'll be able to and it'll be safe, way safer than it's been. Claire, my question to you, text or phone call, what's your preferred method of communication? Preferred method of communication is a phone call. Yes, yeah, especially in COVID times. Absolutely. It's rare these days. It is. Yeah, yep. it is rare these days. Hutchie, you have a question yeah, for us. Yeah, so both of you. Best Oscars fashion on this day's red carpet in your different, in your respective votes? Brownlow? Yep. Brownlow style. Okay, shall Great I go someone? first, Claire? Yes, yes. Um, I give my three votes to the Australian Margot Robbie, who actually, it turned out, the Herald Sun liked that dress too, so much so they put her on the front cover with her back revealed and a really um, awkward kind of link as to why they were putting her on the front cover, but I suspect it had something to do with that elegant shoestring strapped silver and grey Chanel dress she was wearing. Number two vote goes to Carrie Mulligan in a beautiful gold Valentino two-piece outfit. And then number one goes to, again, another Aussie, Isla Fisher, wife of Sasha Baron Cohen. They were actually in Sydney doing the award ceremony from up there. Um, Sasha, of course, was nominated for a couple of Oscars. As she had on, Isla had on a black Christian Dior with a fitted bodice and a deep V-neck. I don't know whether you saw it, um, Claire, but our little WhatsApp group, our Oscar WhatsApp Oscar fashion group, um, a couple of people said, oh, you know, maybe she didn't have the bosoms to carry it or what was happening there. But I think at the age of 45, Isla Fisher is one of the most beautiful, uh, just naturally beautiful. I thought she looked great. What about you? So, excuse my ignorance, three votes is best? Yes. What, okay, okay. Have you never been to the Brownlow Medal? No! Hachi. <laughs> Okay, in Claire's place, okay. I'll go next. I'll go with you. Okay, I love going to the brown line. I, you have to I the did brown raise it one year as a concept, and I got shot down so quickly. Oh, it's no, it's it's on the weeknight. I mean, I'd rather be I'd rather be in bed watching it on TV. So, who are your um, votes? So, three votes then. Three votes. Best on ground. I, I agree with you. I had uh, Carrie Mulligan. Oh my goodness! Like she, that dress to me, she was the it girl of the of the whole of the party. So that's it for me. Two votes. Laura Dern. Oh, yeah, slightly Bjork mm. with the feathers. Mm. And a tough dress to pull off, but she, she did. She's tall enough to. She's, she's tall and she kind of just, she was sort of had fun with it. Mm. She didn't, it felt, I felt like she was just really comfortable in it. Um, and uh, one vote to Angela Bassett. Yeah, oh. in the red. Was it Valentino? Stunning. I can't remember. Uh, I can see stunning. Craig is so fascinated by this conversation. <laughs> Um, you didn't ask for my votes. Why not? I don't want your votes. Um, I, I do want to ask you this. What did you think what, of the whole ceremony, may I ask, before you go to the next I, question? I didn't. I was preparing for the podcast. Yeah. I hardly saw any of it. But I kind of liked the intimacy of it. Yeah. I'm sick of the big Oscar thing. And I don't think they'll ever go back I don't to think that. they'll ever go back either. Yeah. You know, the formula. It's like big, huge weddings for 250 people. Not. I don't think that's going to yeah. happen for a long time. My question to you, what is your most annoying trait, Craig Hutchison? I would say most of them. Just about <laughs> Just about everything would annoy. I, I would. It would be impossible to live with me. Absolutely that impossible. That is not true. Impossible. That is not true. You are so loyal, Claire. It's, but it's true. It's absolutely true. Well, texting's not a big one because I think I sent you a text about this podcast early in the morning. Yep. I mean, putting aside the fact that you do run a big organisation, but you didn't. What time did you get back to me last night? Nine o'clock. <laughs> I'm I'm re- reasonably unresponsive, aren't I? So yeah, I would think there's there's plenty, and people would say I'm distracted on my phone way too regularly, way too often, in way too many social settings, probably. But it'd be a long list of things. Corey, is there such a thing as Easter egg politics? Too right, there is. So if a beautiful wrapped egg comes into your home and you decide it'll be the last one that you crack, <clears throat> and a certain person in your family goes to the fridge, gets the beautifully wrapped egg out of the fridge, 
cracks it without the ceremonial crack where you all sit. We yep. used to do that when the, with the little kids. It would crack, you know, everybody would clap. Opens the cellophane or whatever the pa- tinsel paper, whatever the paper is, eats some of the egg, puts it back in the fridge. I've just gone, what did you just do? <laughs> I just said some of the Easter egg. Well, where was the ceremony? Where was the cracking? Where was it? Where was the consultation? Where's my piece? <laughs> Sorry, that was Saturday night. Um, speaking of Saturday night, Claire, what does the perfect Saturday night look like uh, for you? The perfect Saturday night would be um, beautiful food at home. It's Probably pre- not the footy season, I'm thinking. <sighs> Well, <laughs> I didn't want to go there, but um, something, some food that I didn't have to cook myself with Hutch, um, home clothes, you know, comfy clothes, early to bed. I'm in bed by sort of 9, 30, 10 with fresh laundered crisp sheets. Oh, yes. I'm with you on that one, sister. <laughs> it's, done. it's nothing better than that. Oh, look, you know, we have so much in common. I think Claire and I could just talk for another hour. Can you go and run the company, please? Claire walks around like she's great friends with you already, like (laughs) like many of your listeners would. So Claire's a devout listener. Well, look, it's just been a a pleasure to have both of you and to hear more about how your family uh, works as a little unit. And I'm um, so appreciative, uh, well, Hutchie, of all the work that you do to promote uh, sport and good journalism and podcasts like ours around the planet. And Claire, can't wait to have some of your amazing product on my face when I will not drop the ears, but I will feel like I've dropped the ears. Just one thing you might not have known about Claire. Claire's in a chemist warehouse commercial. Oh at the moment. So, my goodness! What are you doing? To so, me? do you see the chemist warehouse commercial at the moment? Can't you see Miss Jane is giving us the wind up? But Claire, I'll, I'll be looking for you. What are you doing? I am using a, a wonderful product called Nasonex. Also, oh, you're the customer, not the <laughs> I'm, not the pharmacist. That's right. Oh my goodness. Oh my. I was hoping that would go under the radar, but there we are. We'll okay. all be watching now. Can I just say that Claire is a former model, and she is uh, not only beautiful on the inside, which I think our listeners have discovered, but she's also pretty gorgeous on the outside too. Hutchie. Do people say to you often you're a very lucky man? They they double take. Wait wait a minute. Hey, guys, listen, um, Caro, I know, would be the first to thank you both for coming in and standing in her uh, high heel shoes. We really appreciate you both being here so much. Thank you to our podcast sponsors, Red Energy, 100% Australian Electricity and Gas, and, of course, the Prince Wine Store and Miles for coming in and having a quick chat with us today. If you're interested in our podcast and becoming part of our community, please follow us on Instagram or Facebook. We also tweet. Um, and you can find us uh, at um, Don't Shoot Pod. I think Miss Jane is our Instagram account. I always forget. If you'd like to send us any messages, we'd love to hear from you. We love letters. Feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au is our email. And don't forget our footy tips episode, which will drop in the next couple of days. And Craig and Claire, what do we say? Don't shoot the messenger. Doesn't even know what to say. <laughs> I didn't want to be the one that said it. Let's see if I get a word in. <laughs> Hi, it's producer Jane here. And if you've enjoyed the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin, perhaps you'd like to subscribe to another couple of podcasts proudly supported by Red Energy. Yes, Red Energy also bring you Homestyle with Shana Blaze and Under the Hammer with Stav from O'Brien Real Estate. It's all part of the Red Energy podcast lifestyle series. You can subscribe now wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thanks to Red Energy, most satisfied customers 11 years in a row. That's Red Energy.